I wonder if you've ever had anyone who influenced you. If you ever had a friend or a family member or someone in your life that just influenced you. Because people kind of tend to rub off on us, right? And if we hang around people long enough, their opinions, their attitude, their spirit changes us. It influences us. It rubs off on us. Look at someone and say, people change us. Look at someone else and say, people influence us. Right? We know this to be true. Some of you have had great influences in your life. In fact, that might be even while you're here today, right? Because you had a great influence in your life. Some of you have had that influence of that person who's a great Christian influence, a godly influence, and they brought you to church, and they took you to circle, and they prayed for your needs, and they answered your questions. You had a great influence in your life, and it rubbed off on you, and you're better off for their influence. You love Jesus more because of their influence. You're more holy because of their influence. You've had great influences in your life. Let's give a hand to all the great influence, by the way. But I wish I was the only kind of influence we have. Because some of you have had terrible influence in your life. You've had someone who's dragged you away, right, every Saturday night to go get wasted so that you're too tight for church. You've had someone that's been so critical at work that now even you hate your job and your boss. Right? Because of them, their influence. You've had people who have led you to experiment with drugs or experiment with drinking or experiment with your sexuality, and now you're corrupted because of them. Right? There's terrible influence sometimes in your life, and sometimes you're worse off for being in those people's presence. Why? Because people rub off on you. Their spirit and their attitude and their opinions affect you and influences you. And so something we learned interestingly last week in this series on the Holy Spirit is we learned that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a divine person that helps us. The Holy Spirit is a godly person. He is God, and He helps us. But one thing we're going to find very quickly is that that's not His only function. The Holy Spirit doesn't just want to help you. Interestingly enough, he's also a divine person who changes you. Look at someone close by and say, you're in need of changing. You're in need of changing. We're all in need of changing. And so the Holy Spirit wants to change you. He wants to influence you. How will he do it? Well, as you hang out with him, just like with any other person, as you hang out with him, his spirit and his opinion and his attitude will start to affect you, your spirit, your attitude, and your opinions. He wants to be an influence of good. That's why it's so important that every day we're spending time with him. We're allowing him to rub off on us. We're spending time in prayer. Every day we're spending time in his word. Every day we're spending time in worship. Why? So that he can influence us like a good Christian friend would. Now, what change does he want to make in your life? Well, interestingly enough, the way he wants to influence you is to ultimately make you more like Jesus and less like yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, we don't need more of you. <laughs> we, guys, we don't need more of you. Tell your neighbor, we need the Jesus version of you. 
Listen, no one's interested in more of you. And in our culture that's obsessed with my authentic self, your authentic self is awful. The Bible says that your heart is the most wicked thing there is. Your authentic self was born with a sinful nature. Your authentic self is headed for hell. No one needs more of you. We want the Jesus version of you. We don't want the true you. We don't want to be authentic to just how you feel and what your preferences are and how you want to live and what your opinions are. No one's interested in more of you. The Holy Spirit is not trying to make you more like you. He's trying to make you more like Jesus. That's his job to change us. In other words, he's not interested in your natural state because in your natural state, you're sinful. You have a sinful nature. He's not interested in your natural state. He's interested in your supernatural state, making you different. We want the Jesus version of you. And if we don't get that, if you are so committed to just doing what feels good and just going with what's natural for you, and just moving with your own compulsions and your own desires, what we're going to end up with is a life full of the flesh because your natural desires are sinful. We are born with a bend towards sin, in other words. Naturally, it's not your fault. No one's blaming you. We're all born that way. We're born bent towards sin, bent towards lust, bent towards greed, bent towards a whole lot of selfishness bent towards sexual pleasure. We're all bent towards sin, right? No one's blaming you. You're born that way because you were born with a sinful nature. And when you indulge, when you're just like, well, this is me and I just want to accept me. Listen, God loves you as you are today, but he definitely doesn't want you to stay as you are today. He is definitely invested in changing you because without living... In the spirit, we just end up living in a life of the flesh. You want to see how that looks? Let's look in Galatians 5.19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, this is how you were born. When you follow these desires, the results are very clear, Scripture says. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy and drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, he says, let me tell you again, that anyone, everyone say, anyone. anyone. Look at your neighbor and says, that includes me. Anyone living that sort of life, a life indulged in your sinful pleasures will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's warning you, be careful that this lifestyle doesn't shipwreck your faith. What is the kingdom of God that you and I stand to inherit? Well, an inheritance is something I don't have yet that I'm waiting for. The Bible uses the word kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven interchangeably. In other words, there is a kingdom of heaven promised to you that you don't have yet, but it is your inheritance in Christ. And if you are engaged in the flesh, living a sinful life without any fear of God, what's going to happen? Well, you stand to risk your inheritance. In other words, 
This can corrupt your salvation. At some point, it is going to have an effect on your relationship with God, and it will shipwreck your faith, which means you cannot be a Christian and indulge in the flesh. Jesus saying, you can't have a relationship with me and at the very same time enjoy all the sin I died to set you free from. Sin will corrupt you. At some point, you will lose your salvation. You will not get the inheritance of the kingdom of God. It will tear and corrupt your faith. You will lose your salvation. Oh, but God understands. He loves me so much. Right, this is our response. God understands. He's so full of grace. Oh, it doesn't matter to God. I can, he knows my heart. He does know your heart. That's why he sent Jesus to save you from your own heart. Right? Sent Jesus to save you from yourself, from your own sinful nature. And we can't, church, we can't believe that just because of God's wonderful grace and love that we can live how we want. No, that, that we're indulging in the flesh. And actually, what should be happening, according to Scripture, is you should be, when you are aware of God's grace and love, what should happen is you're so amazed by it that it drives you to live holy. You're so grateful for it. You're like, man. I want to just give my life to God. I can't believe His amazing grace. The book of Jude is, is a book that, you know, it's only one chapter long. I actually want to encourage you to read it today after church. One chapter takes you 10 minutes. But he speaks into this so much. I love his directness. We don't have time to read the whole chapters. So I'm going to just pull out the highlights from Jude chapter 1. It's sort of verse 4. He says, Some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. And then he says this, the condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Listen, if you in any level of your heart believe that God's marvelous grace allows you to live as you please, you have denied the marvelous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have denied Jesus. He goes on to say. So I want to remind you, verse 5, that although you already know these things, Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who didn't remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who didn't stay within the limits of the authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as what? As a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. Verse 10, like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them, whatever your sinful nature tells them. And so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them? They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because why? They do not have God's Spirit in them. They're factual, they, they follow their natural inclinations, their natural desires, their sinful nature, because they don't have the Spirit of God in them. 
And then he says, verse 23, rescue others, which is what I'm hoping to do today. I want to rescue you. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution. Hating the sins. Everyone say, hating the sins. Hating the sins that contaminate their lives. I want to say this to you. If you want to be a Christian, the only way to be a Christian is to be 100% in. You don't get to be 70% in the kingdom and 30% in the world. You're either all in church or you're all out. The choice is yours. You can choose blessing or cursing, life and death. Me, God, we would love you to choose life, but the choice is yours. We can't make it for you. However, if you don't choose all life and 100% in, if you want to straddle that line, God says, that's cool. You can straddle the line, but according to Revelations, there's going to come a time where God will make the choice for you. And if you're lukewarm in your faith, well, he's going to make the choice for you. He's going to spit you out. That was a letter to Christians. That was a letter to the churches. He will spit you out if you can't make up your mind. You're either all in or you're all out. Look at someone and say, be all in or be all out. He doesn't want you to play games with him. This is about giving up your life for Christ. If you want to give it up, give it up. If you don't want to give it up, stop fooling anyone. Stop playing games with God. Be all in or be all out. But don't be lukewarm. He'll spit you out. That rhymed way more than I thought it would. I'll write that down later. So I want us to go through some of the works of the flesh from Galatians 5 again. Because as it told us in Jude, I want to rescue you from the fire of judgment. And I want to say this lovingly, because the most loving thing I could do is keep you from hell. I want to say to those of you on that list in Galatians 5, if you are today involved in sexual immorality, if you are involved in impurity or lustful pleasure, in other words, you have sexual activity outside of a covenant of marriage in the name of Jesus Christ, I beg you, stop because you are putting your eternity in jeopardy. And it is not worth the risk. If you have any sexual activity outside a covenant of marriage, stop it. It is not worth it. Look at someone and say, it's not worth it. Your 10 minutes of fun are not worth your eternity, I promise you. It is not worth your, do not put your inheritance at risk. Stop it. If you are involved in worshiping money, if money is your God, if you are involved in any kind of sorcery or witchcraft, which includes ancestral worship, crystals, star signs, astrology, in the name of Jesus, I beg you, stop. Stop. Your eternity is not worth it. Stop. If you are involved with fighting and quarreling, if you're living right now and your arms are up, and you're full of hostility and quarreling and jealousy and envy and outbursts of anger and selfish ambition and dissension and division in the name of Jesus Christ, stop. You are putting your eternity at risk. It is not worth it. If you are involved in drunkenness, if you are involved in wild parties, I beg you in the name of Jesus Christ, stop. Stop, it is not, look at your friend again, say, it's not worth it. 
That little bit of pleasure you're getting from indulging in your flesh is not worth your eternity. Don't give up your inheritance like Esau did. Don't give it up. Don't sell your birthright because of sin for a little bit of earthly pleasure, for a little bit of soup. Are you kidding me? Stop. It's not worth your inheritance. Don't believe that just because God is gracious, you can live how you please. He's calling you to holiness. And don't think that you can do all those things and you'll be okay as long as you pitch up in church every now and again. Being here does not guarantee you heaven. Unfortunately, there'll be many who attend church and go to hell. Being here does not guarantee, the only thing that guarantees heaven is my belief in Jesus as Lord and then treating him as Lord. Say, God, I'll follow you and then actually following him. That is the way. That is the path. That is a lifestyle that we have to live. And so the Holy Spirit is a divine person, but here's the good news. He changes us. The reality, church, is that we're really bad at changing ourselves. Look at someone and say, you're not good at changing yourself. You're not. You're terrible. How many of you made uh, New Year's resolutions? How's it going, by the way? We're on the, just the 25th of February. How, how it, you know what? We're just terrible. We're terrible at changing ourselves. You know what we need? We need a good influence in our lives who's going to rub off on us and make us more holy. And we have that because we have a divine person who changes us. That is the Holy Spirit. It tells us that the Holy Spirit wants to come in your life and be such an influence that He starts to change you. He starts to fix you. He starts to clean you up. He starts to give you freedom from your sinful nature. He starts to give you victory over your sin. He provides a way out of every temptation. The Holy Spirit wants to change you. And any time the Holy Spirit's changing you, we're told in Scripture it's called the fruit of His activity. Everyone say fruit. This is the evidence that the Holy Spirit's working in you. This is a fruit of His activity that you will start to change. You'll start to change. Who will you start to change into? Jesus. Because we don't want the you version of you. We don't want more of you. He starts to make you look and think and function and act more like Jesus. Let's read the list in Galatians 5. Let's read here in verse 22. But the Holy Spirit, everyone say Holy Spirit. Spirit. He produces, He does the producing. This kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As there's no law against these things, it says. Wow, what a difference. What a different list to the list of living in our sinful nature, the list of the flesh. Love. He wants to make you more full of joy, make you have more peace, make you more kind, make you more good, make you more faithful, make you more self-controlled. How do you get this? Well, this is the fruit of your relationship with the Holy Spirit. It is the byproduct of your relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you spend enough time with Him, this is how He will change you. If you spend enough time with Him, this is how He will influence you. You don't have to do the changing. So I know we can look at a list like this, and there's always something we want more of. Like, I, we look at that and be like, oh, I really need that. In fact, I'm going to give you like 30 seconds. Look at that list and say, what, we, what would you really want more of in your life? If you could snap your fingers now and have more of that fruit in your life, which one would you choose? 
Take a look, give it a think, and tell your neighbor, which fruit would you like more of? Okay, so I know we can look at that list and we can identify a lack of fruit somewhere. And we can say, you know what? I really need to start being more kind to my husband. Shame, that poor guy. I just snap at him all the time. <laughs> right? Man, I really need to start being more good to my boss because, like, man, I just treat him so terribly. I just do the least and I'm grumpy all the time. I, I, I need to be more patient while I'm driving. Okay, so we look at a fruit and then what's natural for us is we often become very fruit-focused. Because we see the lack of fruit, and so we think, okay, how do I force this fruit? How do I develop this fruit? And so what's probably going to happen for a lot of us is like, okay, I need, to, I need to do that more. I need to be more patient. And then for a few days, we just focus on being more patient. Okay, Ryan, be patient. Just calm down. Just count to 10. Just count to 10. I'm going to be more patient. When I'm in traffic, I'm going to be more patient. And you're driving. Okay, remember now. Remember. Remember. I'm going to be more patient this week. Patience. Patience, patience, pa and then someone cuts you off and runs through a red robot. Yeah, and you go, and you go well, I'm a normal patient. Um, God, give me patience and hurry up. What it now, Lord? But we forget that we're terrible at changing ourselves. Look at someone again and say, you're bad at changing yourself. You're terrible at it. Sorry to tell you. You're bad at it. And so here's the good news. Is that the scripture's promising not for you to be, have the ability to change yourself. What he's promising in you is that the Holy Spirit will do this on your behalf because you can't. He'll do this for you. And so we've really got to look at this analogy of the tree because there's a reason we've been given a tree as our example. There's a physical example of a spiritual principle. He has a physical example of a spiritual principle. And if you speak to anyone in gardening or horticulture, they'll tell you how the fruit works. You see, if you want to know how a tree gets fruit, well, it's actually all about the root. You see, as the roots go down into good soil and they absorb good nutrients, those nutrients start to fill the branches start to fill the, all the stems, start to fill all the leaves. And if the roots keep going, if the roots keep going, keep bringing up good nutrients, the overflow, it overflows out of this tree and becomes whoop, fruit. What you're seeing here is just the overflow of what's happening down there. It's the overflow of what's happening in the root system. You see, if you want good fruit, you focus on the root if you want good fruit, focus on the, if you want good fruit, you focus on the, look at someone and say, focus on the roots. We don't focus on the fruit, we focus on the roots. And so if your fruit is bad, what's going on down there? Like, Lord, why I'm so grumpy all the time. I'm so depressed. Lord, I have no joy. Father, I have no peace. Yes. 
I mean, what do you do all day? What, what are you absorbing? What are you pulling into yourself? Because if you're going to spend three hours watching TV and another one on TikTok and you have spare time complaining to the people in your office about how terrible the world is and they're all people who don't believe in God and they think Christianity is a joke and you never go to circle, you never spend time with spiritual people and you never find yourself in prayer, maybe saying grace, you never read your Bible, maybe once a year on New Year's Eve when you make that promise that you're going to do it. And you're like, Lord, why is my fruit so bad? Just have no control. And you pray, God, make me more patient. He's like, well, just get your roots out that junk. If you want good fruit, focus on the roots. What are you absorbing? Because that's what you're going to produce. What are you paying attention to? See, because as your roots... Get down into the Holy Spirit. As you spend time with Him, He is going to produce the fruit. You don't have to. All you have to do is change your roots. Which means the highest calling of every day is your time with the Holy Spirit. Can I say that again? Your highest calling is to spend quality time in prayer. Spend quality time in the Word. Spend quality time in worship. There is no higher calling. And if you refuse to do that, well, your roots are just going to be stuck in junk and you're going to produce junk. And you will not have a fruitful life. So how's your roots? Look at your day and ask yourself this question. What am I absorbing? What am I taking in? Because the mark of spiritual maturity, if you want to grow spiritually, the mark of spiritual maturity is going to be how much fruit you're producing. In fact, if you want to know, have I grown with God this past year? To answer that question, you're not going to say, well, I know a few more Bible verses, and I went to church a few more times, so yes, I'm moving closer to God. No, 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 not according to Scripture. If you want to know if you've grown with God, you've got to ask, do I have more fruit of the Spirit? Am I more loving today than I was last year, February? Do I have more joy in my life than I did last year, February? Do I have more peace in my life, more patience, more kindness, more goodness, more faithfulness, and more gentleness, and more self-control? If you see the fruit of your Spirit well done, it means that is the byproduct of the Spirit's work in your life, and you are growing in spiritual maturity. But for a lot of people, when they think of spiritual maturity, you know what they think of? The gifts of the Spirit. They look at people who are operating in the gifts of the Spirit. They see a great teacher. They see someone who's moving in prophecy. They see an evangelist. They see someone who's working in signs and wonders. See someone who's working in healing. And you know what they say? Oh, that person must be so close to God. Look at the gifts. You know, it's interesting. The Bible never links spiritual maturity to your gifts. Actually, what we see is that in the Bible, many people are baptized in the Spirit on the same day as their salvation. And many people on day one of their salvation, as they're baptized in the Spirit, they already stop operating in the gifts. In that moment, they prophesy. In that moment, they speak in tongues. And they're only one day old in the faith. Does your gifting have any link to your spiritual maturity? Absolutely not. We keep doing that, though, as people. And then we get so surprised, right, when you hear of this great evangelist or this prophet. 
or this teacher. And then the stuff comes up of all the stuff they've been doing behind the scenes. And you're like, oh, how? How? You find out they were lying and cheating and stealing, and you're like, oh, I thought they were so close to God. Why? Because I saw the giftings. The giftings have nothing to do with their spiritual maturity. God spoke through a donkey in the Bible. At best, it set them in line with an ass. That's it. And so if you see a great prophet of God, but he's treating everyone around him like rubbish, like lesser, well, he's an immature Christian operating in his gifting. If you see a great preacher who doesn't have time for anyone, speaks down at everyone, well, then she's not a mature Christian just because of her gifting. She's an immature Christian who hasn't grown in the fruit of Christ, who's operating in her gifting. Your giftings don't show your spiritual maturity, it is the fruit that do. And so I want to ask you, are you growing in maturity? Can you see the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you more loving and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and self-controlled than you were last year? Can you see his activity? Because if you can't see his activity, you better check your root system. You're not letting him influence you. You're not spending so much time with him that he's rubbing off on you. You're not allowing the person of the Holy Spirit to be your best influence. Let's go back to, to Galatians 5. Let's read from verse 16. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves because you're going to have cravings. I tell you, you're going to have cravings from your sinful nature. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires. Look at someone and say, he'll give you desires. He gives us desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires or the desires you were born with. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your own good intention. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law of Moses. The Holy Spirit gives you desires. If your sinful nature is the loudest voice in your life at the moment, you'll have a desire for sin. But if you are allowing the Holy Spirit to influence you because you're spending time with Him, your roots are getting deep with Him, you will have a desire for the things of God. I want to say to you, you don't have to change your desires. Look at someone and say, you're bad at changing yourself. You do not have to change your desires. You've, got, you've just got to check your root system. And some of you, your sinful desires are a sign that your roots are in junk. And that's why some of you, you have such a desire for money, man. You just have a desire for greed. You just think about all the time how you can get more. You know what you need? You need a new desire. You know who can give it to you? The Holy Spirit. Some of you have such a deep desire to be loved by people, to be accepted by people. You just do anything. You'll bend over backwards. You'll be one way with this group and another way with this group and do anything for likes and followers. You need new desires. You know who you can get new desires from? The Holy Spirit. Some of you have a desire sexually for people of the same sex as you. You need new desires. You know where you can get new desires from? As you grow with Him, He will give you new 
desires and they'll be opposite to the desires of your sinful nature that you were born with. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. He is a divine person who changes you. And suddenly you'll find that your taste changes. It becomes more spiritual. You start to desire the things of God. It's crazy. You want to come to church and you, you want to go to circle and you'll have a desire to spend time in worship just privately with God. You'll have a desire for His Word and you'll desire prayer and all the things that used to tickle you and taste good, suddenly now just don't taste so good. And you're like, you just lose your taste for getting drunk on a Saturday night. And you lose your taste for using those words. And you lose your taste for that kind of music. You used to love that music. And now you're like, mm, just don't have the desire. I didn't change that. I wasn't in control. I just don't have the desire to watch that stuff I used to watch. I just don't want to be involved in that gossip and division and destructive, hateful behavior like I used to be so critical. But now I've lost my desire for it. I desire the things of God. Who does that? The Holy Spirit. He changes your desires. And you'll notice that as he changes you, as he makes you more like Jesus, what he's going to make you is you're going to become the blessing in the room. Look at someone and say, you're going to be the blessing. Church, no tree ate its own fruit. God wants to develop fruit in your life so that you can bless others, so that you can nourish others, so that you can be the blessing in the room. Listen, this is not about you. In fact, the deeper you go with God, you'll realize very little is about you. This is not so that you can be any certain way. This is so that you can be a blessing to others. God doesn't want to grow more love in you so that you don't experience hate. No, He wants to grow more love in you so that the people around you don't experience your pettiness and your revenge and your harshness. He doesn't want to grow more patience in you so that you don't experience impatience. No, He wants you to be a blessing. The, the fruit's not for the tree. He wants to grow more patience in you so that everyone else doesn't have to experience your tantrums. He doesn't want to grow more goodness in you so that you become good in your own right. No, He wants to grow more goodness in you so that the people around you experience His goodness through you. And so people come to you to get nourished. They come to you to get blessed. He wants to make you the blessing. Because, you know, as we go around with people, we're eating their fruit all the time. And you guys know, as we're eating people's fruit, some of the fruit tastes funky, man. Like, it tastes, woo. You take a bite of someone's fruit, and you're like, I don't want more of that. You guys know, as you interact with people, you take a bite, and it just tastes like offense and irritation and harshness and abuse. That's what people are like because we have a sinful nature. But God looks and says, not my children. My children will be different. This is how the world will know that they have the Spirit of God living in them. They'll be producing my fruit. And people will look and say, how are you so calm in the middle of this? How are you so loving in the middle of this? How are you so kind in the middle of this? Now you are expressing Jesus Christ to the world around you because of the Holy Spirit's work in you. Because so often we taste from people and we even use words like this. We say, Man, their attitude stinks. We say this, they left a bad taste in my mouth. Why? Because you took a bite of some funky fruit. But not you. 
never you. When people come to you, they get love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. From you, they get the overflow of the Holy Spirit in your life that has now produced good fruit. You've spent so much time with him. He's rubbed off on you and he's changed you. He's influenced you. And now instead of being filled with the terrible fruit of the flesh, you're filled with the fruit of the Spirit. And He wants you to do this in every season. Everyone say every season. The Holy Spirit actually wants to make you emotionally stable. Did you notice that all the fruit are emotions? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are emotions. He wants to make you emotionally stable in every season of your life, no matter what you're going through. You know why he wants to produce fruit in you in every season? Because he's with you in every season. And his fruit is the evidence that he's with you. So it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what job you lost, what fight you had, what turmoil you've experienced. He wants to make you fruitful in every season. Everyone say every season. So now you show love, even when you're not loved. Now you show joy, even when you're suffering. Now you have peace, even though you've lost everything. Now you have patience, even when you're at home affairs. Now you're kind, even to those who've hurt you. You're good to those who've been bad to you. You're faithful in the relationship, even when they're not faithful. You're gentle when someone is harsh to you. You're self-controlled, even when you're in the middle of your greatest temptation. You have the fruit of the Spirit in every season. Everyone say every season. In every season, church. Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3. It says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, who do not stand around with sinners, who do not join in with mockers, but, everyone say, but, their delight is in the law of the Lord. They love this. They delight in this. And they meditate on this day and night. They, those who delight in this and meditate on this, they are like trees planted along the riverbank. Bearing fruit each season, their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Everyone say every season. Doesn't matter what you're going through, the fruit of the Spirit will grow in you because He's with you in every season. You know, I woke up this morning to an alert on my phone, <clears throat> which I've seen a thousand times. As I opened my phone, it said, software update available. And as I read that, I felt just in my spirit like God was saying, that's what I want to do to you. Software update available. You look the same on the outside, but on the inside, you're far better. You're more functional. On the inside, you've changed. God wants to give you a different operating system that you don't have to code yourself. It's just going to be downloaded from above. But he's only going to influence you if you spend time with him. He's only going to be able to fill you up till the fruit starts exploding out your life if you absorb him. If you get all your roots out the junk. If you stop accepting sin in your life and all that nonsense of your sinful nature and the desires you were born with, if you stop accepting those and thinking God's grace is just going to ignore it, no, 
You need to leave that stuff behind. You need to absorb Jesus Christ. You need to spend time with the Spirit, and then you're going to see spiritual maturity year on year. You're going to say, wow, I have more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I have more of that now than I've ever had before, and my desires have changed. He's a divine person who changes you. He wants to change you. Please move your roots. I want to pray for you. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, thank you for your people. You love them dearly, and you're calling them to better. You're calling them to fruitfulness. You're calling them to holiness. God, you're calling them to make a choice, to stop playing games, to be all in or all out. Holy Spirit, I pray that we would move our roots out of the junk in this world, that we would get into you, get serious about you, get serious about prayer, get serious about your word, get serious about worship, get serious about fasting, get serious about serving, get serious about giving. God, that we would, we would just be all in and then be fruitful. So I want to pray, God, for your people. Make us fruitful, Lord. In fact, you might just want to pray to the Holy Spirit now and say, Holy Spirit, I'm all in. Holy Spirit, as you hear that prayer, I pray by your Spirit, reveal now supernaturally, just reveal in the minds and hearts of people where their roots are. Show them the junk they're absorbing that you do not approve of. Show them the things they're engaging with that you do not want in their lives. Right now, in the, name, in the power of the Spirit, I just pray, Holy Spirit, reveal their root systems. I speak purity righteousness, holiness, fruitful living. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that we don't have to do this work. The only work we do is knowing you. The only work we have to do is spending time with you. The only work we have to do is putting our roots into you, but then you do all the work. You do all the change. I'm so grateful, Holy Spirit, that I don't have to change myself. I'm my word. I've tried. I'm terrible at it. Thank you for being one who changes me, who changes us. We're so grateful for your presence today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And God's church says, amen. amen.